Welcome to the Amazon Legends podcast, where we have real stories about making it big on Amazon. Our guests are CEOs of large companies and entrepreneurs who became powerful sellers, also experts specializing in helping sellers, and both former and current Amazon employees who will give us an insight from behind the scenes. Here's your host, Nick Urison. Welcome to another episode of Amazon Legends. Uh, my next guest today is a serial entrepreneur. He founded several businesses, building several brands on Amazon. He is also the host of the Amazon Strategist Show, and he's the CEO at Seller Candy and a, a fan of Tony Robbins, of all people. <laughs> it doesn't surprise me. So everybody, meet my guest, John Cavendish. Welcome to the show, John. Hey, Nick. Thanks for having me. Nice oh, intro. Great to have you. So you have a very uh, sweet name for your company, Seller Candy. So I have a feeling it doesn't give out candy, but it kind of deals with uh, not so candy-like uh, material. So I know you deal with. Uh, I, I when I looked up your company, it says anything as a seller that you don't want to deal with, bring it to us. That's what you specialize in. So. Um, so give us some of the things that are, it's, it's basically you are in the business of fixing sellers and whatever that may be. So give us some interesting fixes uh, that, that you had to deal with. Cool. Thanks. So, I mean, yeah, we see ourselves as, yeah, as you said, we do all the shoveling in the back end of your Amazon business. And we have a team that kind of, we see ourselves as the intersection between like experts and assistants. So we provide expert outcome-driven assistance for sellers, particularly on Amazon Seller Central. So literally fixing all the stuff that can go wrong with your Amazon account um, through Amazon Seller Central. So are you talking about preemptive or there's a crisis and you're re reacting to it? Uh, good point. Good question. Uh, both. So preemptive as in like fixing account health, auditing the account, looking for like profit drains and broken things and where things just aren't connected properly. Uh, and then fixes uh, like uh, ASIN suspensions, plans of action, like all the stuff which you really don't want to deal with. Because uh, if it hits you, it hits you hard and you're, just, you're losing thousands a day if you're, sure. if you're a high volume seller. So, you know, what, what I'd like to do with you in this uh in the show is really laid out like if you like build the anatomy of a, a healthy seller account because mm. what happens is a lot of the times people come to me and say well can you take a look at this account or can you look at can you look at that account or as a favor or as a they want to be client and they don't really know they know things are not working right and one of the first things I do is I pull up one of their listings and then I go to that, their seller profile. And right there, immediately, I have an idea about their volume because just from their seller feedback, not product rating, but the seller feedback, I can tell how many rate, uh, postings there are in the last 30, 90 days. And if they are fairly consistent or there's been a spike or has been a drop recently. Mm. Uh, but more important, I look at their negatives. And, and I see numbers like 14%, 8%, 15%. And, and I tell them, you know, your account is at risk. You have to do something. And they don't even know that, you know, wow. oh, where do you see that? So they don't even know. 
So that just happens to be one of the things. So uh, share with us some specifics of what a healthy account looks like in terms of numbers and where you find those numbers. Uh, well, I mean, I guess those guys you're looking at have like are doing fulfilled by merchant or have their own three PLs. Because if you've got those kind of negative seller feedbacks and you're not and you're not doing that, then something's gone wrong. Like your account is really screwed. Because um, otherwise, you should be able to remove them. Mostly because you know if it's an FBA centric account, then you can usually get Amazon to remove most negative feedback because it's almost always to do with Amazon, um, and it's their fault. So they can put they put their hand up and say, "Yeah, it was me." We can push to remove uh, most of that feedback. So um, let's let's um, clarify it a little bit for the listeners' hmm. benefit. So if this, there's a couple of things, right? So if you have we're talking about seller rating strictly, uh, yeah. not product. So if you have negatives and the customer complain about the shipping service, and you yeah. happen to be doing FBA, that means that Amazon is taking responsibility for the shipping and the customer complain, you have the right to complain and have that negative removed. And in fact, uh, if I'm not wrong, there is even a button for you to request removal so that you don't have to create tickets and things like that. So that's one aspect of it, right? That's what you're referring to. Oh, uh, yeah. That's a really good explanation. So that's about about 60%, 60 to 70% of the time that button works and it will remove it and say 30% of the time it doesn't work. And then you have do have to raise cases and like really push Amazon support to remove those things for you. Yeah. Now, the other thing that I, I noticed at, at sometimes, because customers are, they, especially Amazon customers have become really greedy. You know, they want everything for nothing and yesterday. Mm. So uh, sometimes they receive a product and they're not happy with the product and they post a negative seller feedback. Mm. So seller feedback has to be strictly about seller's performance, not product performance. So if the complaint is about a product, you can ask Amazon to have it removed because it's nothing to do with you, right? W would you uh, agree with that? Yes, um, I'd agree with that. Um, with the caveat that it's not always removed these days. Um, you know, we have a team that does it. We can push really, really hard for that to happen. And there's no problem with pushing hard. Uh, but Amazon isn't as easy as it used to be. It used to just like, Always remove it, mention, mention the product, but that's not always the case now. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so now what weeding out, we're focused on the seller rating. Uh, we took out the FBA related stuff, we took out the product related stuff, and now we've got still some you know, negatives left. So, what is your approach for those? I mean, make sure you respond to all of them. I mean, it's for it, there, was, there shouldn't be any negatives left, to be honest. I mean, if, if you're doing all FBA, probably you're not really going to have any negatives or one every few months, even if you're doing multiple six figures a month, unless you're abusing customers or not answering their questions promptly. I mean, usually there's no reason to leave a negative seller feedback. Mm -hmm. um, FBM, FBM, so shipped from a third-party warehouse or your own warehouse, that's where we get into problems because that's where you'll have shipping issues and you've got way more customer service. And yeah, that's where you could have like an, yeah, as you said, like an 8% negative or something like that if somebody doesn't manage it well. Okay. 
so really, I mean, uh, in just a few minutes, we kind of outlined a strategy here. So what you're saying is, first of all, your seller feedback has to be 100% positive. That's what you should aim for. Really, that's the benchmark yeah. because that's what other sellers will uh, look to achieve. And the second thing is, so uh, in order to achieve that, you are better off using FBA rather than doing your own fulfillment because that's going to take away most of the, the pains, so to speak, in your operation anyway and avoid the negatives in the meantime. And finally, stay on top of the the postings instead of finding out later from somebody like me says, why is it 14 percent? <laughs> Uh, just stay on top of it. Look at it every other day or so, and and make sure that anything that is either product related or shipping related, if you're doing FBA, ask them to be removed. And if you're still stuck, come to you and ask for help. <laughs> and uh, either way, get rid of it so that you can stay hundred percent. Would that be a good summary? Yeah, very yeah, very good summary. Um, <laughs> I mean, on top of that, I mean, this is just scratching the surface. This is like level level one of dealing with Amazon support. I mean, I would say, as with everything, you know, FBA has way more advantages than just um, you know dealing with issues, doesn't it? Like, helps should help you rank better. Amazon prefers FBA, so a lot of people have Prime membership, and it gives you Prime shipping. Yeah. Um, and for the monitoring, you know, I wouldn't even check it every two days. I'd just find some software that has monitoring integration. And just set up, set up automated, automated everything on your Amazon business because I'd rather you know humans humans are flawed, robots aren't flawed. So just get software set up that'll ping you every time you get something negative, so that you can just sort it out. So share with us some of those tools that you you like using. Um, I mean, there's load. There's so many of them. Yeah, um, sure. we have some built into our you know our service. We actually have software set up to do that, so that we can. We can do it automatically. I mean, I, I believe Helium 10 may have one now. I mean, definitely Sentry Kit. Um, I assume AMZ Alert has it. Like, basically, a lot of a lot of software has it. It's not an advanced feature. Yeah. So, yes. if you're an Amazon seller and you're serious, you probably already got one piece of software that has some kind of alert feature. So, just look through all the software you're already paying money for, and set it up properly. Okay. All right. Cool. So we covered the seller rating. So what else a healthy account should look like? What else are you looking for? I mean, number one, look at account health. It sounds sounds silly, but look at account health, look for any any account health issues. Um, if you're a reseller, or then you'll be in a different position if you're a brand owner or a private label seller. So private label seller, I'd expect to have zero account health issues usually. Um, so when you're in account health, you look for anything, there's a notification, anything that has a number next to it and voice of the customer and voice of the customer means really negative feedback on your ASINs. So you might have, ha you might actually have that as a brand owner, voice of the customer, uh, being negative means that you've got like a bad batch or certain negative, um, things that Amazon's bots have detected as a theme throughout reviews and throughout feedback and throughout returns. So that gets shoved there. And if, if your voice, the customer gets too high, Amazon will suspend your ASIN. Then you have to write a plan of action to how you've addressed the voice of the customer. Um, if it's just on account, 
um, health issues. It could be anything from IP complaints, like you've used a brand name in your listing somewhere, like, oh, it's compatible with iPhone or it's compatible with X. Um, it might be that someone's complained against you. It might be that uh, Amazon's saying your product's right damaged. There's all sorts of stuff in there. It only takes two seconds to check, but go into account health, scan for anything that looks uh, red and flashy. So basically any warning signs. Yeah. I mean, uh, they, they, they never used to have that before. So in the early days, so they brought that in because they want you to be on top of your performance as a mm. seller in, in terms of your uh, authenticity, uh, the most important, what the customers think about your, your listings and whatever you are doing with some of the policy violations. And so uh, how would you, what is the best way to respond? Can you, like, is there, is it always case by case basis or is it, is there like a standard approach to handling these? Because once you have that account health window filled up with something, yeah, uh, obviously it's going to show up. Uh, it's not always bad news. It, it's it's just a concern that may have been raised, uh, but if you do nothing about it, then it will become a problem. Uh, mm. So, what is the best way to handle these? Yeah, it depends on which one. So, there is a standard process, I would say, for each one, but each issue has a different standard process. Because um, you know, if it's an IP complaint, you have to reach out to the IP owner. If it's a voice of the customer issue, you need to address the product issues. If there is an issue, sometimes half, mostly it's not an issue. Um, if it's a private label product, if it's um, yeah, if it's one thing, you do a different thing. So I give you one of the things that actually it's abused is let's say somebody is private label owner selling, and somebody anti-competitive practices. Mm they file a complaint. Yeah. And of course, as a preemptive action, Amazon suspends. So give us your approach on dealing with something like that. I guess what type of complaint are you thinking about? Well, they complain about the brand not being authentic or mm. uh, even though you are the private label owner, they complain about the fact that you're not selling authentic hmm. okay that, so that I mean, authentic. You, you have stolen their listing or something hmm. along those lines so yeah product authenticity I, to be honest you know we have hundreds of clients and i we don't see many takedowns through malicious intent through product authenticity um but the good thing about product authenticity is it is easy to fight if it does happen because you're the brand owner so it's all about following a kind of standard process which is you know as with all things with Amazon, create a case, um, respond to the complaint with a proper, with all the things they ask for first time. So they'll they'll want proof of authenticity, so proof that you're the brand owner. They'll want an invoice to show the purchase of the product. Obviously, you're going to have to make that yourself if you are the brand owner, because you've sold it yourself and you own the brand. So that's creating your own invoice. Um, Maybe a picked an image of the product would be useful. Just everything that you can think of that they would want. Um, we have a pro we have a process for that, of course. Raise it to Amazon, and then after you raise it to Amazon, call. Because as with everything, Amazon, if you call, you get through quicker. So once you've called, you call through to support. You use the button which is "Call Me Back," 
inside your um, brand dashboard. Um, and then you just stay on the phone until somebody who you actually understands you talks to you. So keep, keep, keep calling, keep asking, not, and don't get off the phone. So this account help, isn't that under seller performance? Yeah. But there is no calling seller performance, only seller support, right? And the seller support usually stays hands off when it's performance issues. Um, so if you can get through to the captive team, so if you can get, get raised up high enough, then they should be able to support you. Um, and the other option is to go through brand registry because they have more power than anyone else. So if, as long as you've got brand registry, which you you will have pretty much unless you've got an exemption. So you've, if you've been selling a while, you'll have brand registry. Go in there, contact support there as well, and uh, raise that case at the same time. So attack them on all angles simultaneously, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I um, yeah, I mean, I've seen because it's even though Amazon likes to be a company with processes, there's a lot of inconsistency in the support calls, right? So you, yeah. you call and then you get a good response and sometimes nothing and they say oh, nothing to do with us. Um, it, it's um, That does happen. So how about situations where you have a problem, they ask for stuff, you know, you know, you, you mentioned send us proof that you are the owner and send us invoices and things like that. So, so you provide all that and then they come back and they ask for the same thing over and over. <laughs> so it goes back and forth, right? So how do you deal with situations like that? Uh, we have a, a large team that just continuously follows up with Amazon basically. And the phone, phoning is the best way. Um, as always, you know, if, you know, if we get stuck and we've been through brand registry, we've called multiple times, we've raised it multiple times. I mean, that's the time you can, you know, do the thing like pull the emergency cord and email Jeff, um, the the escalations team. But that's not the ideal way to do it. The ideal way to do it is to go through the real process over and over again in the shortest time period possible. Um, and that's really why we exist, because most people don't want to, you know, throw 12 hours at something because it just takes yeah. a lot of time. So about um, emailing Jeff. There are two different opinions about it. So, of course, mm. in the old days, it was the thing to do. So you would email Jeff, and then it, and every email always got looked at. Yeah. So recently, one opinion says that doesn't work anymore. Stop doing it. It goes nowhere. The other yeah. opinion is, no, it does work. Now there is a team that receives that, and they yeah. still maintain. So which camp are you in? Well, we, we get responses. So, I mean, it does work. Um, I guess another tip for that is if you really get stuck, Twitter is a great place to go. Oh. So go into Amazon Twitter, go into their seller support for your region, DM them, and they will send you the Twitter escalation form, which is another team, like another type of escalation. Um, and that's another workaround, um, which has another, like yet another way to escalate. Oh, that's a very that's a very good tip. I never heard that, frankly, myself. Mm. So that's great. Well, try it. Yeah. Well, hopefully we never hopefully have to don't try. try it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, okay. So that that's good. So what about sometimes I've seen? Well, what I've seen quite a few times, unfortunately, is you, you know how it is when something goes wrong. It's usually drastic because 
it means that cash flow dries up, right? So there's no, they freeze the funds and everything else. So, very wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really bad. It's bad for an entrepreneur. It's bad for, it's bad for everybody. So, uh, and you become angry and, and you start emailing back, especially those yeah, yeah. who don't know. Don't do you, you don't want to do that. You, you don't, first of all, you don't deny, you don't, uh, you know, go at Amazon and, and you don't ask questions either, you know, hoping that they're going to tell you so that you're going to respond. No, you're supposed to know what to do. And that means POA, right? Plan of action. So, yeah. um, so what I've seen over and over, bad submissions, no real plan of action, yeah. defensive uh, yeah. you know, statements being sent several times. So finally, they realize we have to do something. And then they bring you in. And by that time, Amazon has sent an email saying that we may not respond to this issue again. So is that like the dead end? That doesn't matter what happens. This is the end. Or what are the ways around it? Um, well, I mean, so first, first of all, like the way we work with clients usually is not on an ongoing basis. So we don't just do emergencies. We kind of provide ongoing support. So usually when things happen, a client's already our client. We've been doing everything else for them. So like feed files, feedback, monitoring, all the stuff, which you mentioned, like we do all the crap in the back end. They don't want to do on a daily basis. So when they have this issue, we write the first plan of action. So it's great. You know, it's like, we get it back up same day. Easy. Um, yeah, when they've been around the, the dead end um, and Amazon says, you know, you cannot message us anymore, we will not respond to anything. It doesn't really mean anything. Um, you know, Amazon will respond. It's not the end of the world at all. It's horrible when they people receive those emails because it seems like it's the end of the world. But no, it's fine. Just like when Amazon says, you cannot have an Amazon account. Uh, we will not respond to any more emails. You are not allowed to have one. It's not the end of the world. Um so just write a plan of action. And just as you said, you know, the kind of general rules are admit responsibility, uh, even if it's not your fault, because it usually isn't your fault. Um, put a plan in place, which makes logical sense. I will do one, two, three, simple and short, not like an essay, because they've got someone reading it quickly in like 10 seconds, I assume. Um, yes, or as quickly as possible. Um, and then this is what I'm going to do to go forward. And that's it. So, you know, even if it was really not your fault, so a good example I've got is I think one of one of our clients a while ago, like a year ago, got um, a list, got a warning and a listing suspended for selling new solders used. Uh, so used solders new. So and they were out of stock when they got their warning and they got the warning because Amazon found some stock lying around the warehouse, added it to their inventory <laughs> And then it sold. And then uh, you know, then it was it was used stock. Amazon had found someone employee had found it and shoved it into their inventory and then they they sold it. So nothing to do with them. But you know, at the end of the day, they got it suspended. So the plan of action they had to write was, oh, you know, I'm very sorry that I sold these used I these new used items which I didn't sell were were uh, were not were not sold right. Um this is the plan. I uh you know. I don't know, I can't what the plan was now, but basically like I won't let Amazon resell my stuff again, my used items again, and uh, that's the issue. So it's just admit, write the plan, continue, and uh, that's it, you know? No defensiveness, no explaining, just this is what happened and we'll make sure it doesn't happen again. Yeah. 
So how do you stop? Because this is another issue, because one of the things that I always talk about is the analytics, which happens to be my interest area. And mm. one of those data points that we track is the buy box retention rate. What percentage mm. of the, the, the time you are in the buy box? And of course, if you are a private label seller, you are the only seller, you should own the buy box 100%. So the number should never be less than 100 yeah, but that's never the case. Sometimes yeah. you lose it. You lose it for all kinds of reasons. But one of the reasons is customers return your item, and for whatever reason, Amazon decides to keep it because they feel it's damaged due to their fault, and they pay you for it. But now they mm. have it in stock, and they list it on your listing as Amazon yeah. warehouse. So, uh, and by the way, they list it as used. Yeah. Also, so uh, this is the case that you are talking about, where item was sold, Amazon put it in stock, and it was sold, but they didn't actually tag it used. They they still added to stock. So how do you stop Amazon from selling your items? Um, actually, this case was a little bit different because they added it to our clients' inventory. Oh. As lost, as lost, and then found found inventory, so that they could then, because they because it was lost, they would have, I assumed, reimbursed the client full retail for those items. Right. But then, when they found them, they shoved them back, and then would have done a rebate on, so the client lost that money. Um, I, I mean, not there's no way I know of of stopping Amazon from uh, reselling your stuff through warehouse deals. Yeah. Um, usually, warehouse deal stuff doesn't get the buy box though. Um, I mean, I I don't but think it ever really gets the buy box unless you run out of stock. No, no, they don't get in the buy box, but they cause you to lose the buy box because then they won't show anybody in the buy box and they'll, they'll just say available from these sellers. You have to click the link and it opens up a window and in it, you, you have two sellers. You, you are the oh, top yeah. one. But, so, but the your buy box drop. is gone. So it's, uh, it, it causes uh, the sales to bleed. Um, so I'm curious, how did you find out about, I mean, this was such a discovery on your part. How did you find out that Amazon actually put the item back in stock and then let them sell it? Oh, we just, I think we just looked at the inventory report. Wow. I mean, that's... Just look at the sales report. That's, that's quite a discovery. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, I don't think it's that difficult. I mean, they, they basically, the, uh, they were newly sold items and they hadn't sent any inventory in. They were out of stock. So, so they're out of stock at the time. So that's why that's why it wasn't really a discovery. It was like we didn't send anything in, but we've sold some. I'm like, oh right, well, that's weird. That was very easy. It was an easy discovery. It's not like we had any advanced metrics. It was like, cool. Well, they sold something they didn't have. Yeah. So that made it I easy. Mean, you know, the, the the reason why I say it's a discovery is because you know, you don't really know it's not in isolation because some things that the sale may have taken place in the past and then mm. they may have complained. So it's very hard to, you know, pinpoint. And Amazon is moving inventory around the country all the time. So, um, I mean, that's one of the things, uh, it's, it's a little bit unrelated, but um, let's say that you want to go, you, you haven't been managing your inventory real time through your systems. Yeah. And then you decided to do that and say, okay, mm. I want to put my inventory on the books. What is the accurate reading? There is no way to get the accurate reading of your inventory, right? Because if, 
it's always moving about and you, yeah. you don't know it's it's in transit between locations it's in transit from you to them and uh, so uh, it's very hard to actually pinpoint inventory so um okay so bottom line really that account health window you have to attend to it how about the policy violations what is the because you get so many of those and and a lot of them kind of look unimportant but nevertheless they are violations so what is your take on those i mean our take is in general any violation you should address it um just because you know it's nice to address as many things as possible um because anything can ding against your account health uh violations may or may not be removed by amazon but at least you can you can raise against their against what they raised you can respond get them to agree that it wasn't an issue and then if in the future you have an issue, you can then reference that case. Mm -hmm. But that violation may not disappear. It may stay on your account for a lot for the six months, 180 days until it expires, and then it just drops off, drops off the back end. And how about the listing quality? The, there is another one about listing quality. Share with us some of those uh, situations that surround listing quality. Uh, which which ones in particular? Um, no, I mean there is a line item in that account health hmm. windows is listing quality so why would you get uh, a negative for listing quality what is important there what should you be looking at good question uh, for listing quality i can't think right now what causes it <laughs> <laughs> so um one thing that uh, I mean, this is nothing really that much of a rocket science but um one thing that happens is and you know, when I was a seller, this used to happen quite often. So I, I it wasn't my private label. We were just a reseller. So and health and beauty space brands often rebrand the product. Yeah. So the listing itself obviously is created at some point by somebody, and then you have a bunch of sellers selling under it. And uh, if you were doing FBA or you were doing your own shipment. If the brand changed the packaging mm. and you are selling the new packaging, but the listing itself has the old picture, you're going to get complaints. Mm. We used to get complaints and people say, oh, this is, of course, the immediate complaint was, this is counterfeit. It doesn't yeah. look like the picture. So, so what I did basically was I put... Uh, and this is what I recommend for all my clients. Um, make sure that you do random check on X number of, just do sampling. Every time you're sending FBA shipment, make sure that somebody looks at the package that you're shipping out physically and then checks it against the listing and make sure that it matches. Because if it doesn't look like the picture, you're going to get complaints. So that's where it becomes listing quality. And uh, kind of they say, this is not... Mm -hmm. You know, you need, and it, it basically comes down to content being not a good representation mm. of the product. That's the most common one. Yeah. yeah. So with those ones, we can, it, it depends. So if the, if they've rebranded a product, it depends whether they've kept the same UPC or not. Um, if they have kept the same UPC, then yeah, you could have the same issue you just explained. Um, if the client was working with us, it really depends on the volume that they've bought. So are they a reseller? Have they got 10 units or have they got 40,000 units of this product? 
if you've got 10 units, uh, we probably just say, push it through, you know, doesn't matter. You, are you going to restock it? No. All right. Well, doesn't matter. Not worth the effort. Uh, are you going to, or if they've got like a really good distributor for this and they're going to replan and they're going to sell it over and over again, we say, well, you're not the, you're not the listing owner, but we can probably push through some listing updates for you. So it just takes more time. So we can create the feed files, we can push it open, we can create, you know, a version with the new and the old one, or we can create a new packaging and uh, yeah, we can help you update the listing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, there is no end to this, but at the end of the day, really the lesson here is just make sure that your account health is in good standing. Stay on top of your seller feedback. Do not neglect that because that can really be bad news. And one one thing that we used to do was your seller feedback would always spike in negatives yeah. in the new year because there's a lot of activity during the shopping season and more activity means more potential complaints. And those complaints will take place in January, early February. So we would always say, you know, we have to be ready for the negatives in January. So that means by the start of the shopping season, we have to be at no more than 2%, if any. And this is when we were doing our own fulfillment, of course. Mm. And some products, you know, you can't use FBA. Like for example, I have a client, they have hazardous stuff. It's not hazardous like explosive, but it's corrosive material. So they do their own shipping. So, um, you know, it's it's one of those things, and sometimes there are high ticket items you'd rather not like stock so many. So there are yes. legitimate reasons for FBM. Uh, however, they will attract this situation. So always, by the start of the shopping season, try to be no more than like two three percent. So that way, if you get hit, then it's not going to be a threatening number. Mm. So. Um, so, John, let, let's um, look at the big picture a little bit, and then uh, I'd like to see your take on the the overall Amazon operation. I mean, obviously, Amazon has the largest market share and everything, but uh, and the a winning business model is private label rather than be a reseller. So what do you see as the biggest opportunity on Amazon? Why Amazon? Why not focus on uh, your own Shopify-driven website or your own website-driven sales mm-hmm. uh, or Walmart. Uh, give us your take on the opportunity Amazon presents. Um, I mean, I, I do think that Walmart and other channels are great opportunities. Um, the good thing about Amazon, just like just like the good thing about Walmart, really, is that they're providing the traffic. So they're providing the marketing and they're really providing the market research, they're providing the data, they're providing the search data. I mean, they're basically showing you how you can make money and you don't need to take care really after that of the real marketing. And the real marketing, I mean, like if you have your own Shopify store, how do you convert a cold prospect or somebody looking for a product into knowing they want to buy your product? Mm-hmm. You know, Amazon is almost doing most of that work for you. They've got the warm prospect who's I know what, 30 to 50% likely to make a buying decision for some product, not like at two or 1%, like if you got them cold. And then on top of that, um, yeah, helping you position your product against the competition once you, if you get the right product. So, I mean, it's, I mean, I see Amazon as, well, like it was for me, like it's a, a good first 
business, like actual business, as in not freelancing or not contracting, that um, allows you to get your feet wet for the world of business. You know, it takes care of a lot of the stuff for you, in my opinion. Um, it's a relatively straightforward, easy to understand business model. It's not rocket science to be minorly successful and start making something that works and makes money. So it's a great way to get you, you know, get into business, I think, and get into online business. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you said it, if you, if you were doing your business through your Shopify website or your own website, which however it's powered, first of all, you have to bring the visitor to the website, right? So that's the biggest cost because you have to pay, you know, it's paying Google, paying whatever. So now that they are on the website, you have to make sure that the website behaves in a way that you won't bleed those who are actually willing to make a purchase because that's another thing. It's something called shopping cart abandonment. I mean, that's a killer. I think numbers are like 75%. That means three out of four people you lose once yeah. they put something in a cart. Sometimes people put things in a cart um, without any intention to buy, but nevertheless, take those out. Still, there's a huge percentage. So, uh, so by the time you know you step back and say, okay, how much money did I spend? How many people did I bring? And how many orders I got? The, the numbers are never in your favor in terms of being able to make it cost effective. So uh, plus when you do the search, people are searching maybe for information, not necessarily looking to buy anything. So Amazon takes out all that, right? So Amazon, anybody on Amazon, they're looking to make a purchase. They're not looking to read the news about a certain product. Uh, the second thing is this website behavior as far as uh, attrition, that's not there. So they've taken care of that. So you can really focus on how you stand out against the competition and they provide the reviews and everything else. So, um, so um, yeah, I mean, that's the best way. Uh, and, and you actually mentioned something else, which is my real, I always say that that's the biggest benefit that it really teaches you to build an online business because online business needs certain disciplines, certain procedures, batch processing of things and attention to detail, being able to stay on top of metrics and financials in a certain way. And if you don't know those things, you're not going to succeed, whether it's your website or, or anything else. It teaches you how to do those things. It makes mm. you more metric-oriented, so to speak, than touchy-feely. So um, I... I um, I always say start on Amazon first. Don't don't look at anything else. So um, now that we say Amazon is the best way to start, what do you see as initial challenges when people start selling on Amazon? Um, I mean, there's a lot of initial challenges. I mean, it's the same challenge I see people who start selling on Amazon is the same challenge with any anyone who starts a business, which is like, analysis paralysis yes. so i you know finding you know there's so there's so much opportunity out there and so much opportunities are better than others but eventually you've got to choose one and go for it mm -hmm. um and you know you've got to have some especially with amazon because it's uh you know you're not putting your sweat equity into it or that you are your time but also you do have to buy physical products so you've got to have some capital you've got to plan that out you've got to go aggressive enough that you can be successful 
so you know you you can test the market but you need enough that if it goes well then you're not just going to immediately run out and go there so you have to have some conviction behind it so ideally have someone holding your hand and give you the confidence to do that um yeah i mean that's the biggest thing you know analysis paralysis actually going for it and uh keeping going until you see success just like with any other any other business you know take yeah. six months a year can do yeah i mean learning from the experience and then evolving in the process is, is the best because yeah. you know you can analyze all day long but once the rubber hits the road you don't know plus amazon is making changes all the time right so uh, you don't know what's coming your way you know what i always say to people um, and this is my favorite saying i, I should really <laughs> file this uh amazon Starting a business on Amazon is like tail wagging the dog. In other words, mm. Amazon will come along with certain requirements or they're, they're not going to make them requirements, but in order for you to run the business in an efficient way and scale it, you're going to have to put certain infrastructure in place. Mm. And it's going to be fairly tedious because that's what Amazon wants. So a lot of people... I've seen this. I actually have a client right now. They started their businesses a while ago, maybe, um, and or they, they are just starting and they've got some advice from people that they know who are in conventional way of running businesses. So they've got these archaic software systems or they feel they can just wing it by doing Excel. And, and they set up, they basically wire their operation in a conventional way. And they talk to their accountants and accountants who know nothing about Amazon advise them. Of course, they trust their account. And I say, okay, this is what we're going to do. Well, it doesn't really work that way because you have to streamline the operation. So I always tell people, be open-minded about rewiring your entire operation and maybe replacing some of your systems because the best thing that can happen to you on Amazon, if you do everything right, and it's not easy, but that's what we're trying to accomplish, is you will scale. And when you scale, there is no time to rewire things or you know, replace software. So if you are starting, it's a good time for you to put infrastructure in place that can scale with your operation. That doesn't mean you have to spend a lot of money, but it's making choices, desktop-based applications, rather than web-based applications and uh, things like that. Uh, applications that are closed, that doesn't ex uh, export, import data easily versus those who are open. That So those are the kind of choices I always say. And if you've started in the wrong direction, when you start on Amazon, replace. Otherwise, you'll get hit with all kinds of problems. So um, uh, tell me, what is your take on as a successful team, uh, what does it take to run a successful operation? What does a good team look like in terms of responsibilities? Um, for an, oh, just to go back to your previous, what you were talking about a second ago about accountants, don't listen to your accountant you know, <laughs> on business advice. Don't take business advice from your accountant. I've made that mistake before. Uh, they don't know anything about business. I mean, they probably don't even know that much about tax. So you probably shouldn't listen to them on tax advice either, especially as yeah. you get wealthier. They just file your paperwork for you. Yeah. So 
get good professionals around you um, and the account you need, but just don't take business advice from them or tax advice if you're making a load of money. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, in fact, what I always tell people is I say, look, this is very simple. Accountant is in the business of, generally speaking, CPA firms. They are making their uh, living out of filing your taxes. So they want to, everybody, just like everybody, they want to maximize their income. So how do they maximize their income? By filing the maximum number of tax returns. So yeah. uh, in order to file the maximum number of tax returns, they have to spend the minimum amount of time possible. So how do you expect that information to be good source for you to make business decisions? It's not. It's all about taxes. And then, and, and you're right. And if you're making good money, then you don't want to listen to them either. You just get them to do the uh, paperwork. And as far as bookkeeping, some people say, oh, yeah, but they also do our bookkeeping. Well, the same philosophy applies. The maximum number of bookkeeping accounts with minimum number of hours, how can that give you operational finances? Yeah. It does not. So, um, I mean, you are, you're totally right on the point. So, um, so tell us, yeah, describe for us a, a good team. What are the responsibilities? team for yeah i guess when you're starting out on amazon um there's, there's different levels isn't there of running a business so yes there's like the starter level where you've not got much money and you just want support then there's the medium level where you're starting to scale and then there's the high level you know when you're really growing and uh you need to figure out which hat you want to wear um because you know at the start you wear all the hats then you start giving out the hats then eventually maybe you wear no hats maybe you wear one or two hats yeah um so I guess starting out, like, I mean, I've hired many, many different types of people, but I think something like uh, an executive assistant when you're just starting out, like, well, I mean, by executive assistant, I mean an outsourced executive assistant, like in like a Filipino EA or VA is is a great, just someone do the admin stuff you don't want to do. So follow up, looking after things. Um, and that's when you're going from say zero to 20K a month in revenue. Just having somebody there that can do stuff. You're still going to have to do the technical stuff. You're still going to have to do the complex thinking and strategy, but that's where I would go from like so, zero to 20 K. Uh, so, you know, you mentioned that you wear different hats. So what are those hats that you have to really define and, and say, okay, this is a job because you know, a lot of the things it, it's Amazon is becoming like medicine. You know, in the old days, there was the, 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 the Jeep, the general practitioner, you know, your primary physician or whatever, who would take care of most things these days there is no such thing you go and then you've got like five different doctors involved one is you know looking at if you've got a pain somewhere you have mm -hmm. to get tests so you have a lab involved and then you've got the person who takes the blood or whatever the and then you have somebody looking at it somewhere so there's all these specialists so there's too many hats in the medical space just like mm -hmm. that in amazon there are several hats but a lot of the sellers don't even understand what's involved. What are core competencies that that need to be that the skills need, needed? So, uh, can you describe for us what should be like the the source of their uh, attention? I mean, when I was talking about hats, I was talking about major, like just general business operations hats, because you know Amazon business is a business. So yeah. you know, you've got the leader, whether that's the CEO, COO, or no. Well, those two depends what your personality type is. Then you've got finance, operations, sales, and marketing. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, in Amazon, I would say, you know, you've got operations, sales, and marketing. And operations, I'd put in product sourcing, um, moving things around, logistics, uh, inventory projection, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then in the sales and marketing, I'd put you know, marketing, market research potentially depends whether you put that on ops or sales and marketing, um, or marketing, PPC, mm-hmm. or doing all of that stuff. Um, and then you've got to start out with all those things. So zero to 20K, you're doing all of that stuff. You're learning about it. You've got some money. If you, you know, say you've got a bigger budget, you might want to hire some agencies to help you with some of that stuff. So some of the strategies, some of the product, um, product uh, evaluation, sourcing, a great agency for sourcing a product would be great because you're, you're not going to do as good job as if you just hire somebody who's not that expensive to help you find the right supplier once you've decided what your product needs to be. Um, good softwares to help you analyze the marketplace. So that's what you're investing in, in my opinion, from zero to 20K. Mm-hmm. Um, then 20 to 100K a month, that's quite a big gap, but that's really when you're starting to pile people in. So mm-hmm. then you'd work with someone, maybe someone like Seller Candy, who does all the technical, super technical stuff. So you don't know, you no longer need to do it or you don't need to learn it because it's a pain in the ass learning all of the new yeah, yeah. Amazon stuff that comes up all the time. Um, you might get a, you might be able to get your first professional, uh, like an operations manager, um, you know, somebody on the lower end, three to 5,000 a month, if you're willing to invest that from, you know, just a professional person. Um, you might start hiring some agencies, which is probably a better option there for like a PPC, a really good PPC agency, maybe a management agency, definitely a sourcing partner, um, people to do that stuff, probably a logistics person as well, because if you're really scaling, you're going to have a real pain pain point with logistics because everything's flying everywhere and you've got to be yeah, super organized. Yeah. And if you're and me, probably you'll most use of us. the 3PL, right? Also, you know, to- use a 3PL. Yeah. And then hopefully your logistics person, your logistics person will sort that out. Yeah. Um, then above that, you can start getting into actually having a real team. So depending what, what hat you're good at, I mean, you're a, you're a technical guy. So you're a CTO, COO, you, you can probably sit in that seat. I do not want to sit in that seat because uh, I'm terribly organized. So I sit in the CEO CEO seat or the or the uh, maybe the business development seat, and then start filling all the other seats up with people. So find yeah. the best people you can afford, not the best people in the world because you can't afford them, um, and then start putting them in all those seats. And um, yeah, once you pass 100, 200k a month, then if you want to, you can start filling up those seats. If that's your goal, is to build a real business empire long-term business or i mean you could just be running the business at that point with three to five lower paid employees and flip it to one of these aggregators or somebody who wants to buy a business yeah 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 i mean it's definitely definitely it's an effort you have to be i mean there's one constant in all this that it's the change that Amazon brings all the time. So while you're doing all this, you, you are changing yourself. You're evolving as a business, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, you're dealing with all the issues. And at the same time, Amazon is throwing new stuff at you. So you have to pick them up quickly. So that's why it becomes very hard and you really have to bring in a team together. And, and I always say you have to have one beacon uh, of, mm. of light that you need to follow. That's an expert, uh, an outside expert. You can't hire those people. It costs too much money. 
but always have somebody on your side that can tell you this is what's this is the most recent thing you can't do this anymore and blah blah because you don't want to find out about those things after it's too late right so that yeah. uh, outside expertise who uh, and the i mean this is a fact you need this because those people deal with many sellers and they see mm. different perspectives so that's where i think your your company does uh, provide great service because you you bring the perspective of many different situations and sellers so um this is great john so tell us a little bit about yourself uh, where did you grow up and how you get got into this what's the attraction to be in a complicated you know fixing business um well, I mean, I'm from the UK. I grew up in Nottingham, where Robin Hood is from. That's what I always say, because I don't live in the UK. And uh, if I say Nottingham to people here, because I live in Vietnam, they think I mean Notting Hill. It's like, oh, that movie with Hugh Grant. Like, no, no, yeah. the one in the middle of England. Um, so I was an engineer, but a mechanical engineer, nothing to do with tech. And I wanted to, yeah, make money online. So back in 2014, I was looking for ways of making money online did uh you know thought about blogging and all that stuff back then and uh glad i didn't because i'm a terrible writer and bad at all being organized and i heard about amazon so i uh did a course and started, started selling on amazon um we i was you know, i was lucky you know everything is timing plus effort timing was great uh launched a supplement company in Europe and we did really well. Um, you know, within the first couple of years, we were doing like one and a half million dollars revenue. Um, and yeah, I just started running that for a while, launched some other businesses, launched some other products, did some really viral, cool viral products and things like that. Um, until the markets always get destroyed, it goes viral, you do well, the Chinese come in, price goes, hits the floor. Um, and then I did, then I was Leave, I left the UK then, sorry, about a year later in 2015 and wanted to travel the world. So uh, I did the whole digital nomad, like location independent entrepreneur thing. And a couple of years later, I was like, yeah, I'm bored of selling generic products on the internet. You know, there's no value, particularly in the products I'm selling value add. I mean, they're good products, but there's no like, I'm not improving the world. Yeah. yeah. Selling more products. And so I did a lot of Tony Robbins. As you talked about at the start, got really into personal development. And a takeaway I had from that was that I wanted to add more value, you know, add more value to more people. And the more people you impact, the, the better you can be and do and the more successful you can be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started a full service agency called Ecom DNA. And after concentrating operations and not knowing how to run an agency business, I got a really good sales coach. And then we went like that, grew like crazy. And then I realized that I hated the business model, you know, the agency business model. Like you've got to have really expensive, highly skilled people um, and the margins aren't great. Um, And at the same time, you can't be successful for everyone because you can get all these leads in and then everyone wants to do well on Amazon, but they're usually people with products. And that product isn't necessarily a good fit for the Amazon marketplace. Like they don't have, they don't have enough PR, they don't have enough marketing and the pricing and the, product market fit isn't right for Amazon. Mm-hmm. So I went back to the drawing board after we already sold like a million dollars worth of consulting. I was like, okay, back to the drawing board, start again. Um, let's take a small part of that, 
which is dealing with seller support and dealing with all the complex stuff on the back end that everybody has who's a successful seller. And let's do that super well. And let's have a standard pricing model, not just you know make up numbers from three to 8,000 a month. Let's just say it starts at 500 bucks a month up to however much you want to spend if you're an agency. And then let's do it for everyone, for online arbitrage sellers, resellers, private label sellers, agencies, aggregators. Let's be the people in the industry who do the stuff nobody else wants to do through our own portal. So we created a portal, shoved our team on the back end, and now we have 70 people on the back end. We have a portal on the front end. You can just go to our website, sign up, and uh, that's how the business side works. That's I mean, great. personally, I have a personal side as well. I mean, that's just the business side. And so, John, so t- tell us, um, how can people reach you? Uh, give us your contact information. We'll obviously put that on the website and together with the episode, but um, share with us your contact information. Contact me. You can email me. I mean, John with an H, John at sellercandy.com. Uh, you can check me out on Facebook or LinkedIn. I'm John Cavendish. And just check out sellercandy.com. Uh, we've got some really cool stuff, some um, testimony. We can check out our testimonials, our video sales pages, our landers, so you can really see how Seller Candy works for you and could work for you. Great. Well, this was great. So um, we'll put all the information on the website, and um, I'm sure people will reach out. And and that with that, uh, I'll just say big thank you. I'm sure everything we shared, people will take it to heart and and, and use it. Thank you, John. Yeah, thanks, Nick. Thanks for having me, and uh, always good to see you. Yeah, and uh, this brings us to the end of another episode, and I'll see you on the next one. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Be sure and subscribe, rate, and review our show. And be sure and share an episode with a friend. And thank you so much for being with us today. We'll see you next week here on Amazon Legends.